Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This month we start a brand new series. The last two months was about grow. And quite frankly, I think I've got about another five messages and content and great revelation that somewhere along the way is going to come out, I'm sure. God never wastes it, but... This month, we really felt to take the entire month and to speak about enough. Uh, Now, whenever I get these kind of um, themes, if you like, in my head, I always think I know what it's going to look like. And almost always, it ends up looking nothing like what I thought because I'm making a, a summation, first of all, based according to what I've known or what I've experienced. But how many people know there's a lot more revelation in the Word of God than any of us have ever plumbed the depths of? And so when we say enough, lots of us here automatically think, uh, you know, in terms of someone saying, well, that's near enough or it's just enough. And so to us, enough means the bare minimum. It means the smallest amount that's suitable or acceptable. Well, I've done enough. I want to read to you John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6, and several verses about something that occurred in the life and ministry of Jesus that's got a lot to teach us today in 2019 about what God thinks about enough. So understand you can apply this and I'm going to help you do that today across a wide range of areas. This is not a message about money alone. You can include that in it, but it's a message about how God works and what He does. By the way, tonight I'm going to be speaking on what I regard as one of the premier principles of how God operates That's in the 5 p.m. service. Next Sunday morning, Pastor Ron is speaking on enough. I know that the Holy Spirit is going to do great things next Sunday morning as well. You should bring your friends because she's much nicer than me and and, uh, you'll just love her for sure. Someone told me during the week, they said, you know, our church loves Rhonda. I said, you know what? I said, I actually think our church loves Rhonda more than they love me. And this person said, yeah, I think you're right. But I'm happy with that, quite frankly. Uh, I'm quite happy that uh, you all love her so much. Give her a big hand. Guys, she's an awesome woman. woo John 6, let's read it together. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following Him wherever He went because they saw His miraculous signs as He healed the sick. Jesus climbed a hill, sat down with His disciples around Him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for Him. Turning to Philip, that's one of the disciples, He asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now He was testing Philip, for He already knew what He was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we would not have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, another one, two of the disciples, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. 
So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, He did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told His disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. I wish I had a whole service just to speak to you on that one phrase, that in God, nothing is ever wasted. The things you've been through, the experiences of life, even the ones that you just want to forget, you want to say, I hope I never remember that. Lord, take it away. Do you know God will never waste anything that's happened in your life. God's going to use it for His glory. You say, well, how could God do that? Only God has the power to take a negative or a bad thing or something sad and turn it into something good. I love that verse in Isaiah where it says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. He didn't say you got rid of my mourning and made me happy. He said, you took what was sadness to me and you turned it into gladness. He transforms the things in our life. Some of you here, the fears or the insecurities or the rejections that you've been through in life that you just go, I want to get rid of that. I never want to face it ever again. And yet the Bible tells me that God is able to take all of those things and to use them, not what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good in your life. If you and I will let Him, if we'll say, Lord, there's nothing off limits in my life. I'm giving you my life. I'm not giving you my strengths. I'm not giving you my talents. I'm not giving you the bits of me that are presentable. I'm going to give you the whole lot so that you can do something powerful through my life. Some of you here that have wondered and thought to yourself, you know, God, well, you know, I want you to use it. You want to give God all the great bits. He goes, why don't you give me everything so I can use them all? Verse 13 goes on and says, so they picked up the pieces and they filled 12 baskets. And you might go, why does that matter? And why does God give you that detail? Why tell you 12? Who cares whether it's 10 or 12 or four or five? Well, hang on to the end of the message. I'll tell you exactly why it matters that there were 12. There were 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who'd eaten from five barley loads. When the people saw Him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely He's the prophet that we are, have been expecting. Today, I'm going to give you a maths and a physics lesson from the Bible. Everybody said, woohoo. How many of you love maths and physics at school? Two hands, three hands, four hands. Not even Sven, the professor of engineering, lifted his hand on that one. Uh, but never mind. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be okay. Stay with us here. The first thing I want you to learn, and I, we all need to learn out of this story here, is that my perspective of what's enough and God's perspective of enough are incredibly different. They're amazingly different. The disciples all agreed. They all saw five loaves and two fish, and they all agreed that that was not enough. But verse 6 says, he already knew himself what he would do. He knew that there were going to come five loaves and two fish. The boy was not a surprise to Jesus. The five loaves and two fish were not a surprise to Jesus. This 
uh, whole event. He already knew what he was going to do. They considered five loaves and two fish not enough, but he'd already seen it coming and knew that that thing surrendered was going to be plenty for what God wanted to do. The reality is for all of us in our lives, what I call inadequate, he calls able. Second Corinthians says he has made us, us, able ministers of the new covenant. A minister in that sense is not someone who's been called pastor and been ordained. It's not someone who's been to Bible college. It's simply a word that means to serve. And so he's saying he has made us able servers of the new covenant, every blessing, every good thing that's in it. He says, I've given you the ability to be able to give that to someone else. And yet many of us feel like I don't know enough of the Bible. I'm not smart enough. I get tongue tied. I can't speak in public. I can't do this. I hope no one asks me a difficult question. We get all of that stuff going on. And he says, you know what? I've got a different perspective on adequacy than you do. You look and say, I'm not, I can't, I'd never be able to. He says, no, I've called you adequate. I'm calling you able ministers of the new covenant in your life. And every one of us, what we think to be insufficient, he says, is more than enough. I want you to get this in your heart and mind because I'm not here to preach some kind of just theology that you can post up on your wall. I want this to drive deep inside of your heart. I want you to say, I'm more than enough. I'm more than enough for every challenge that comes my way in God. I'm more than enough. I'm more than equipped. I'm more than able for everything that God needs to do through my life. I'm more than enough. Are there going to be moments where I will feel inadequate? Are there going to be moments where I'm going to feel less than clear or less than certain? I would say, oh, heck yeah. Oh, absolutely. Probably even a lot of the time. If you're a leader, your whole job is to be at the leading edge of inadequacy and and a lack of, of knowledge of what's going on for sure. But I'm telling you today, in Jesus' name, He has made us adequate. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, Christians love quoting this one. It says this, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. And so many people, you know, say that and quote that verse as though, oh, well, after all, we are meant to be in the dark. And don't worry about it. We don't know. We don't understand. God's got a master plan. You are just an ignorant little minion in God's great master plan. So don't expect to know anymore and don't think that you'll ever understand. We just go along just trusting. Well, we do go on trusting. But if only everybody read verse 10, because it doesn't stop at verse 9. Surprise, surprise. Verse 9 does say, that I hasn't seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But, verse 10 says, but, everyone say, but, but God has revealed them unto us through His Spirit. In other words, when the Holy Spirit illuminates, our perspective shifts. Every revelation is a supernatural perspective shift in your life. Every revelation 
Every single one of us. I've told you before, and I'm sorry to repeat it for the millionth time, but I was the shyest person I've ever known. And you go, well, what made the difference? It wasn't a personal development day. It wasn't some kind of program. The thing that changed was a revelation out of the Word of God. A revelation out of 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That there is an anointing on your life. And it says in 1 John chapter 2, but the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you. It stays there. And so I began to understand via a revelation that shifted my entire perspective of what courage meant. That didn't have to be rooted and grounded in self. Didn't have to come out of a, a silver spoon upbringing or out of life's experiences where I championed and proven that I was capable, but rather I could come from a completely opposite space of not achieving, of not being successful. And still in God, I could be counted as somebody that was anointed and someone that was appointed. But the entire shift came and I can tell you where it was that it happened. I can tell you what created that space. It was a prayer time. Surprise, surprise. So often it's when we're in prayer. Why do we encourage so much of people to pray? Our goal has never been in this church to have a prayer meeting that a lot of people come to. We're launching in, uh, I think it's August, September, October. We're launching the prayer project which uh, we undenied about this because I really felt the burden of it. Our church needs to pray. And yet I'm going, God, I, the easiest thing is we run a prayer meeting and, and people can come, but I want to have a lead a praying church. I want everyone. So we've come up with some ways that every single person in the entire church can take 90 days of prayer. And they don't mean you've got to leave your house and some of those events will be here but a lot of it will take place somewhere else. Why do we do that? It's because we understand that when we allow the Holy Spirit to work His work in us, when we let Him come, He always illuminates and a perspective shift is always the result. That's why we did what we did this morning. We take three whole Sundays out of a year where we say we're going to pray about destiny offering. Why do we do that? I know some people who, who literally might go, well, you know, you should strike while the iron was hot. You should show that video first Sunday. It's so beautiful and so moving. Bang. I go, no, you don't understand. We are not looking for a moment's inspiration. We are looking for a lifetime of revelation. We're not looking for a, a moment's emotional response. We are looking, if God will turn the light on, if God will turn the light on your life, regardless of whether it's in the area of finance, the area of ministry, the area of family life, if God will turn the light on in your life, a perspective shift is always the result. That's what Holy Spirit illumination does. Here's the second thing in, out of this story is that their resources were unnoticed, unused and unchanged until someone surrendered them. Five loaves and two fish weren't magic loaves and they weren't magic fish. They were just five loaves and two fish that a little kid had. And nothing changed about them 
until a little boy came up. And I like to think that the little boy came and offered them. I don't think Andrew or Simon Peter or all the disciples went through the crowd going, has anyone got a food truck hidden in your back pocket? Has anybody here got a warehouse full of food just over the hill? Go, boy, we sure need it right now. Jesus has given us the impossible task. He said, feed. Look how many there are. There's 5,000. We can't. There's no way we're going to be doing all that. We can't do that. I like to think, I don't think the disciples would get, oh yeah, we got it. Here's five loaves and two fish. I'm jolly sure that it wasn't Thomas picking him out. Thomas the doubter. I reckon a little kid just with a, a, a dis, uh, you know, a genuine and unfeigned faith. I think it was a little kid come up and said, excuse me, mister. Excuse me, mister. And tugged on, on Andrew's garment. Said, tell you what, I overheard you talking. I overheard you got a problem. I reckon he could do something about this. I want to give you this. I'm going to give you my five loaves. And I reckon Andrew went, oh, God, kid. Well, you got to be nice to little kids and encourage them. You know what I mean? Don't, don't despise them. You know what I mean? You know, it's like when your kid gives you a stick and tells you that it's a, an important stick. Yeah. How many people here got a house full of important sticks? Huh? You know what I'm saying? You know, and how do you throw away that painting that your three-year-old gave you? Huh? That's why if you come to my house, there's a folder full of that stuff. And what's that? Well, that's granddad. Really? Whoa, granddad's looking mighty skinny in that picture. And grandma's looking, yeah, grandma's got no hair. What's that mean? Uh, and you go, but because your little one gave it to you, you're kind of holding on to the whole thing. And so I think Andrew probably went, hey, Jesus, you look, I know it's ridiculous. We already agree it's impossible, but we're going to, you know, why don't we do this? And these resources were unnoticed they were unused and they were unchanged until someone surrendered them. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 says this, I returned and saw under the sun, listen, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, riches to men of understanding or favour to men of skill, but time and chance. And the word chance there is not the same way we use it. It literally means opportunity. But time and opportunity happen to everyone. And maybe you are not in your workplace. Maybe you're not the most talented. I know people that are sitting here right now and I know that they have been promoted to positions far beyond their qualifications, far beyond other people more qualified didn't get the job. Maybe they're more educated than you. Maybe they got a better start in life than you. But you and I can make sure that there's no one more surrendered than us. Please, church. Make sure you are surrounded by gift and talent. It's everywhere. We celebrate it and thank God we do. I'm not against it. But you know what? I may not be the most gifted. I may not be the most talented, but I can make sure I'm the most surrendered that I can be. I can make sure that God, whatever I remember as a 19-year-old young man who was confused spiritually. I had all kinds of weird and wacky people knocking on my door, literally, if I told you, you'd be shocked, but I had all these people coming and I remember having an encounter with God. And I said this to the Lord and I've tried to live it out over the ensuing years. I said, Lord, you will have everything there is to have of Jeff Woodward. I've tried to say, Lord, you know, uh, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I want to give you my life. I want to give you my future. I don't want to die going, yeah, well, I, but I kept one room for me. 
I don't want to go to heaven saying, well, Lord, I almost gave it to you. I want to go to heaven saying, Lord, you already got all there was of me. Now I get all there is of you. The truth is that you're not enough becomes more than enough when it's surrendered to God. That's true. Look, we have got a very talented church. You got to look just in any area. I'm amazed at the people we have that are, are so successful in their lives and whatever, but they come in here and serve with such brilliant hearts. Why? Because they understand that my inadequacy means nothing if it's given to God. Inadequacy holds no power over me if I have genuinely surrendered my life to God. Their resources were unnoticed, unused and unchanged. But when they surrendered them, all of a sudden, thank God Andrew never just said, shut up, kid. Can't you see what the grown-ups are in on this and we are working really hard to figure this out. Like, hello, we got a massive problem. Don't bother me with your five loaves and two fish. I think Andrew had at least the faith to come and say, Jesus, look, I know this is nuts, but here, he's offered. Thank God for that. You don't always, we're not all Jesus knowing what he would do. Sometimes we're Andrew going, I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm going to give him something. Huh? Are you here this morning? Come on, give me an amen occasionally. You know, just, yeah. Hey. Now you're good. Here's number three, third lesson. Is that God requires our partnership in miracles. I was thinking about this this morning. I, I have been racking my brain trying to come up with any miracle Jesus did that didn't require something from a human person, some interaction. Whether it was blind Bartimaeus and he casting away his garment arose and went to Jesus. Whether it's the 10 lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. Whether it's the blind man, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. No matter what it is, whether it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, somebody had to do something. There was a supernatural uh, conception. It was a supernatural birth, but it still took a human to partner. Every miracle that I can think of, the creation of the world, God didn't make the world out of nothing. It says in Genesis 1, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God brooded over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And so God didn't make something out of nothing. Listen, God makes something out of whatever I give Him to make something greater out of. That's the way miracles work. Verse 11 says, He blessed and gave to the disciples. Now, bear with me a second, because I reckon this is what it really played out like. Jesus. Father, thank you for these five loaves and two fish that you and I both know are enough. Peter's going, he's lost it. Finally, he's cracked. It's the pressure of the ministry, you know, or the demands of people. They're coming out. He's got to turn up miracles every week, week after week, day after day. Look, the folly man's saying, oh God, he's finally cracked. Because that's five loaves. I could eat all that myself. Huh? Fish singer. woo Thomas is over there. He's doing this. 
Because when it doesn't work, I want to know how to get out of here. Because that mob, they're hungry. They're going to kill us. Huh? John's there saying, Lord, don't worry. I'll die with you. Huh? And Jesus says this. Lord, bless this. Thank you for it. What's he thanking God for? He's thanking God for five lives of division. God is he's God. He's lost it. He's thanking God for that. Look, hello, the first row's going to chomp. Look at them. They're fanging out for everything. Huh? They're already thinking about coffee after the service. They're already hoping we've still got the world-famous Metro Church sausage rolls. God. So like last Sunday night where I told him, made the mistake of telling everyone that the dumplings after the service came from the number one dumpling house in, in Perth. And they did. Authentic dumplings. Well, I made such a big song and dance out of what was going on. By the time I walked from here to there, seagulls on hot chips, whoosh. <laughs> Mental note to self. Next time, tell everyone, look, we got them out of the freezer at Aldi. They had passed the years by date, but we reckon they're all right. I'm pretty sure I saw people out there licking the plate. They were just gone, gone, gone. Think about it. Jesus is doing all this. Thank you, Lord, for this. When was the last time you thanked God for the little you got? Hey, come on, God. Oh, God, I don't think I can do this. Like, hello, you are going to the heart of, of the Arabic world. Are you nuts? Hello. Would you like a red frog? Because you know he's going to blend in, don't you? Huh? Amen. They're, they're going to look at him and go, oh, that's definitely an Arab brother. Just stand up, Hayden. Just do a little bit of a stand up. Hey, man, how many of you just go, that's him right there. Oh, he looks Middle Eastern to me. Huh? They're not going to think that. Are you nuts going over there? What are you going over there with? Oh, I've got a red frog. But you know, a red frog so far has opened up 300,000 people a year now get blessed in Western Australia because of a red frog. Amen. They told us when I remember this, Mark and I were talking about this during the week. I remember the first time we went to, to Cambodia before Transform started, everyone told us that you couldn't build anything there with local people. They told us that. They said it's impossible. This week, I'll speak to 350 staff who are all Khmer. They're all locals. Apparently, a little bit given to God, it's miraculous what can happen in the sixth poorest country in the world. Huh? So don't tell me that it doesn't work because I'm going to say, oh, no, sorry, you're, I'm way past. So anyway, Jesus does all this and then he breaks it. Now, follow me here. Basket number one. If I'd been Jesus, I would have given the first basket to Thomas. Because Thomas is standing there looking and he sees, you know, one tiny little small handful of bread go in. And Jesus says, off you go now. Go distribute to the people. Thomas would have gone, oh God, I'm not looking in there. But as Thomas is going, the basket seems to get heavier and heavier, but he's not going to look because he's going, you know, I'm pretty sure it's got, you know, I'll feed one. Not, that's one per family, Janelle. Don't take any more. 
Don't take any more. Stop that. Put a bit back. Put a bit back. Put a bit back. Put a bit back. Come on. You're taking too much. What are you, a greedy thing? Put a bit back. But Thomas goes up there and he's still got his eyes closed. He just goes up there and he goes, he goes, oh, God, let this be a kind person. It's Leslie Bain. I'm, I'm fine. She's kind. <laughs> oh, God, please, please, God, I don't want to die. Leslie, and he's not even looking at the basket. Leslie, would you like some? Leslie goes, oh, thanks very much. And she keeps on reaching in and taking a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And he's going, oh, Someone must have chucked some in my basket. I was going past it. He goes, did you get some? And she says, yeah. And he goes, well, there's more in here than when I started. I'll go to Kylie. He goes over to Kylie and says to Kylie, would help yourself? But he's still not looking. He just called God, please, God, please. I'm too young to die. And she gets her bitten. Now there's three bits of bread. Now he's starting to wonder about, is he watching a magic show? And is there a pipe? And is there a pigeon up there dropping it in? It's been over in the park, over the road, and collecting the scraps, and it's just dropping them in. That'd be a good thought, wouldn't it? Woo-hoo! Rats with wings, I call them. And, uh, and, uh, and here's the deal. The thing... These guys had to be a partner in the miracle. They had to go and distribute. It never all happened on the platform with Jesus and the prayer. Somebody had to take a basket and go and bring it to them. But think about in the turning of the water into wine. First miracle Jesus ever did at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. He never made wine out of nothing. He said to them, John chapter 2, verse 7. He said, you go and fill the, the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Verse 8, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. They put in water, scooped up what they thought was water and took it and served it. And somewhere, listen to me, somewhere in the going, God was acting. Somewhere in there, listen to me this morning. Somewhere in your going, God will be acting. Here's the fourth lesson. It just takes one to start something great. One little boy, excuse me, mister, you can have this. What they discounted, God anointed. Here's the last thing I want to say, number five. The size of our need does never determine his ability to provide. Remember how I told you that there's a reason why it's 12 baskets. Well, let me take you on past that one in Matthew's gospel to Matthew 16, verse 8. The disciples are arguing because Jesus said, why didn't you bring bread? And they're going, oh, wow, what's going on? And Jesus wants to explain to them. He says, Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you brought no bread? Don't you understand? Or don't you remember, now watch the maths here. You're going to have to watch me right here. There were five loaves, forget the fish for now, but, but they're important. But there were five loaves and 5,000 people. Five loaves, 5,000 people. And how much leftovers did you have? 
And the disciples go, oh, 12. We remember because you told us to count. Five loaves, 5,000, 12 baskets full. But he'd done a similar miracle after that, also in Matthew's Gospel. He said, remember when there were seven loaves, 4,000 people, how many baskets full did you take up? The answer was seven, because again, they counted. Watch this. Five loaves, 5,000, 12 baskets. Seven loaves, more resource. 4,000, less people, resulted in seven, resulted in less leftover. Why does God bother to give you a maths lesson like that? Follow it again. Five, seven, there was more resources. Less need, 5,000 and 4,000. But the result was a greater abundance with less than there was when there was more to start with. Now, God is not telling us that we all ought to have less. That's not what it's about. What He's saying is this. The size of your need doesn't determine God's ability to provide. He doesn't go 5,000. Well, we're going to need a lot more than four, you know, because that's one, you know, one point. Well, I better say it's 120%. That's, that's more than what we had before. We've gone from four to five. We're going to need more. So we had seven loaves. Now we need nine. He goes, no, watch, you don't understand the way God works. I can do more with less if you give me what you have. Don't let your less than enough stay unused or unnoticed or unchanged. Surrender it to God for kingdom purpose, no matter what realm that's in. Maybe it's in the realm of your own personal calling and gifting. You feel like God's called you to something you know, I've known people that have struggled their entire Christian life with inadequacy and have never got a revelation that they are able ministers of the new covenant. Because they never got a revelation, they keep looking at the size of the need. They go, oh, wow, look, at there's too many people. Oh, look at that. I wouldn't be able to do that. And they don't understand the need, size of the need's got nothing to do with God's ability to provide. Less resources, greater need. God says, that's okay, I'll just bring greater supply to your life in Jesus' name. God's good, amen? God's good. He wants you to understand His mathematics. I know it wouldn't work at, you know, pure maths at university. I know it mightn't work at a mathematician's conference somewhere or other. They might struggle with this one. Or maybe they wouldn't, I don't know. But God is able to do something great when we come and say, what I've called not enough I really felt today that there's many of us here and we've looked at our life and we are so convinced that we're not enough. Please come team. We're, we're not enough. Our gifts aren't enough. Our knowledge is not enough. Our abilities aren't enough. Our resources aren't enough. Well, I could do that if I had that. You know, if I'd been born into a richer family, better family, smarter family, more together family, if I hadn't walked through all the stuff I've walked through, I could have done that. We're not taking away anything from whatever life experience you've had. But we're saying, why don't you just do what a little boy do, did? Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Jesus can have this. And go and give Him the bit you got. And see what He'll do with it. 
It's the whole story of the life of this church. When we came here 31 years ago, we didn't know anybody, anyone, anyone. We just said, God, will give you us. We'll give you our little family. And now we look around and go, wow, God, you've done such miraculous things. And those stories all the way over when Red Frog started. Six people went down to Dunsborough, Margaret River. Six people went down there and nobody wanted them. We just said, but God, we'll give you our, our friendliness. We'll give that. We'll, we'll give our love for people. 18 years later, everybody has been touched. Remarkable things. I could go on and on in every area. Would you just join with me a minute right where you are? And just say to the Lord, Lord, I'll give you what I have. I don't think it's enough. But maybe, Jesus, you've already seen what you will do. Come on. Come on, there's people here, you're Christians. You've been Christian a long time. But you need to say it to God again. I know what I'm saying to be so. You need to give it to God again. Come on. Give God again your life. Come on, do it right now. Give God again your life. Lord, I'm giving you me today. Don't just give Him your talents. We, we scour through our life looking for the thing we can polish up that'll appear the best to everybody else. But Jesus took the thing that nobody else thought was worth anything. Let Him do it again. Come on, let Him do it again. Let Him do it again. Do you feel inadequate? That's okay, give it to Him anyway. I don't think it's enough, Lord, but if I give it to you, maybe you'll turn into something outstanding. Maybe you'll do something extraordinary. Maybe this is all you've been waiting for. It was a little lad with five loaves and two fish. Heavenly Father, today we give you ourselves again. We don't hold confidence in who we are or what we've known or what we've done or what everybody else thinks. We're not going by the vote of how many people believe with us. We're just saying, Lord, excuse me, can I give you this? Lord, we'd love to step back and be a partner with you in the miracle of seeing the way you break the things in our life that we thought inadequate and bless others with them in Jesus' name. We give it to you. Come on, front to back. Just tell the Lord right now, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me in Jesus' name. I'm giving you my life. I'll give you the talents. I'm also giving you all of this stuff, Lord, because maybe you're not going to use my talents. I'm sure there were lots of chefs there that day. But Jesus never said, can we get all the chefs? all the talent, all the foodies. Instead, he gets a little boy. He says, no, nah, he'll do. God, we know there's so much to do. There is so much that you want us to accomplish. We, we peek at our horizon and see all you want to do. And so, Lord, it's in that spirit of saying to you, I'm giving it to you, that we know you'll produce the answers that are necessary in Jesus' Name. Just while the heads of our eyes are closed, there'd be people here today and you say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. You talk about Jesus like He's someone that still can be known, not just a figure out of history. I'd say, oh, absolutely. The Bible says He rose from the dead and He still lives. And He's still looking across the earth for people that are looking for Him. Do you know that's all God is waiting for? Is someone that says, I'm looking for you. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, right across this auditorium, 
for the people here that want to say yes to you. The people here that say, I'd love to know God. I'd like to walk with God. Would you help them today in Jesus' name? If that's you, just so I know I'm praying for you. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see it, please, wherever you are. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Just wherever you are, thank you down there. God bless you. Anybody else, just wherever you are, say, that's me. Just slip it up and then you can put it back down again. I'd love to pray with you. Believe that God will touch you today. Really do. Believe Jesus is real for you. Same as He is for so many of us here that know Him. Then Father, we thank You for the responses of hearts that say yes to You in Jesus' Name. Amen. You can look this way. One of the great things that we, we literally gave to God and thank God for all the tech people, the much maligned tech people, you know, said yes to God because uh, they've been using their talents and so the result of that has been Yes Text and the uh, yes.metrochurch website address where you can begin following Jesus just by texting yes to 0488826392. Everywhere I go, people ask me about it, literally. So many churches have heard about it and say that's an amazing way for people to begin a journey of discipleship because we understand that it's not always a moment's decision. Oftentimes for people, it's a journey of growth and a growing with Christ. I'd love you to do that. Text yes, grab one of these slips or go to the Connect Hub outside in the cafe area. And we would love to make sure that we're helping you to grow and to go with Jesus and to walk with God in a great and a powerful way. Amen.